welcome to episode 874 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, December 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Hot stove! Percolating, mm-hmm. giving, us, giving us a few treats. They cooked up a little meal for us while we were gone. We got some things to go off of. Um, and then we'll talk some third base. What did you, uh, what, generally, what do you think of where the hot stove is right now? Are we, are we on pace? Uh, or slow. I don't think too fast. I, I, I wouldn't say it's piping hot. So you think we're on pace or or running a little slow right now? It's weird. Uh, I mean, it's definitely hotter than it has been at this time in the last few years. I mean, that's for sure. Like we're or a couple years ago it was the yeah most devastating off season ever. Mm-hmm. Well, even last year, like I remember writing the Friends of Fancy Benefits guide. And, like, waiting to post it online, and we were, like, mid-January, um, and, like, nobody had signed. Like, it was yeah. just, like, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is just, you know, as soon as I post this, everybody's going to sign. It's weird this year because, like, it's not the big name signing first. Like, there isn't this, uh, oh, Trevor Bowers holding up the market, or this is holding up the market, teams are like well we're not going to spend a ton of money anyways why don't we fill in our cheap options i think that's yeah that's a big part of it is that there's a lot of affordable options out there anyway so teams can make moves there and really start to establish their direction for the offseason i mean there there's a lot of affordable talent mm-hmm. out there and uh, we saw you know a few few good pieces of it come off the board in this recent uh, in this recent little run here, you think we get anything major before Christmas? Ten days away. Mm. I think history will show that you know it's not necessarily uh, something to rule out that that we can have a big big drop before Christmas. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, had the winter meetings, the virtual winter meetings. It generated you know a, a couple blips, but nothing crazy. Do you think we have any? major movers any of the top five or so in the market land somewhere no i don't think we do um i think we get a few more of these kind of minor signings maybe a trade um but i think the majority of the big signings happen uh after the new year um so uh which is unfortunate i'd really like to see you know, where is Bauer going to end up? Where is, uh, you know, some of these other big names going to end up? But, yeah, especially with the kind of uncertainty around the DH in the National League. Yeah, I or think, around the, the number of games that they're going to play. There's, yeah. there's uncertainty everywhere. Yeah, because typically teams are the ones that want to backload things. But if you're a major free agent, don't you want to backload everything right now? Right. Like... I mean, if I'm if I'm Trevor Bauer and I'm looking at getting you know 25 mil a year for three years or something like that, I do not want the majority of that in 2021. I want the majority of that in 2023. Um, so that way, if there's a shortened season, I'm, I'm actually getting paid what I what I signed for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it. We're still we're still in such a a wild zone with everything that uh, I totally get why it's it's 
again, I don't think it's crawling. I think it's moving at a decent pace. Uh, like I said, a couple of years ago, was it like the J.D. Martinez year? That was the nightmare year where you couldn't you couldn't buy anything. We we would be talking like minor league deals, like hey somebody somebody signed somewhere. Oh my god! Uh, but let's talk about the moves that we did get. Uh, the biggest, at least in terms of money, and I guess attention based on who who signed it is James McCann to the to the Mets. The other two deals might be bigger in terms of the impact in in. 21, but we'll talk about them. Uh, James McCann, the four-year deal to the Mets. Now, obviously, they've got high hopes for the offseason. We know that. We've seen Steve Cohen on Twitter, um, you know, talking talking to fans and everything. I, I love his tweets. I, I think it's great that he's out there engaging. But no real muto. They go James McCann instead, four years, 10 mil per. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's an egregious uh per year for sure coming off two years where he's been good uh Babbitt fueled performance here for James McCann but undoubtedly very good the last two years and the market started to really heat up on him 276 334 474 with 25 homers 75 ribbies five steals uh in 587 plate appearance that's like a that's like a full season uh, I mean, that'd be a really full season for a catcher. That's 149 games. Can James McCann be a, a, a number one true guy wherein the backup, you know, only plays Sunday, that, that once a week type? Is James McCann that guy? And if so, how does he hit? Ooh, I think he can be that guy. Uh, the question is, how many warts show through with full-time playing time? Um Exactly. Does I mean, that bad come way down? And he's, you know, because he was firmly below average before mm-hmm. 1920s run. Yeah, I mean, his career BABIP is 312. So that feels probably a little bit more fair. So, like, I think he's going to take a hit in batting average. Um, I don't think he's going to post, like, the 289. But, like, for instance, his expected BA last year was 258. Like, that seems reasonable. So, yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy who hits the ball decently hard, uh, barrels the ball, you know, a fair amount. Uh, you know, good hard hit percentage, 47.8% uh, hard hit percentage. So, when you know, when he is hitting the ball, it's, uh, it's relatively hard most of the time. Uh, I, yeah, I just worry that, you know, this is a guy that he has not been a full-time player um, you know, uh, his career, he's, you know, he's always been kind of in some sort of timeshare, but I think we could definitely get a 2019-esque season, you know, when we're talking about upper teens, maybe even low twenties power, you know, stolen, you know, some stolen bases, you know, three, four or five stolen bases. That'd uh, be huge. Yeah. An average, that doesn't hurt you, which is always difficult to catcher. For sure, for sure. I, I think I think you're a little bit more optimistic than I am. I, I, I want to be in on on this. I liked James McCann with the Tigers. I felt there there was some upside there, and his defense, uh, you know, kept him in in um, you know in in good fan favor. Not that you know fan favor drives everything, but you know the McCann and he was back there doing his thing. It kind of covered the fact that he wasn't otherwise. 
modest at best bad, but generally not very good. His 94 KBRC plus was sandwiched by 67 and 57 marks with the Tigers. So, you know, that's where he was trending. And you brought up his, his career Babbitt for James McCann. I don't know. You know, you Steamer doesn't buy it. 228 no. with 14 homers. And uh, I don't think I'm going that low because that, you know, that's nowhere. That doesn't even have his career Babbitt. They got 290 versus 312. Can he maintain like a 320 Babbitt and like you said did you say like 278 average something like that no I said like 260 260 okay I mean I feel like that's plausible but I don't know how much do you think this will move his draft stock I think it's gonna move it a lot (laughs) and, and that's the that's the thing that might push me out then because currently James McCann uh, where are you going, James? Again, is the twelfth catcher off the board, and he's pick two sixteen. He's over the last two weeks. He's already jumped over Gary Sanchez, so he's the eleventh catcher off the board um, now. My guess is I won't he's have any the James yeah. My guess is he's the eighth catcher off the board. Oh my god. Over Austin Nola? He's going to jump over Sean, Sean Murphy, Murphy, Austin Nola, and then Dalton Varsho comes down a little bit, too. So, um, No, 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 no. So, I do not. My, yeah, my guess is he's around pick 150, 160. And I, that, to me, seems a bit rich. And, I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm not drafting a catcher usually at that spot. If I, if I don't get real Muto or, I mean, you know, maybe throw in, like, Will Smith or, uh, or Yasmani Grandal or something like that, then I'm, I'm usually waiting till the Austin Nola, Sean Murphy, Gary Sanchez, Mitch Garver areas. By the way, I have an interesting tidbit here, I think. Y'all may recall, this is, this is an uh, offshoot name, you mentioned Dalton Varsho. Y'all may recall an incident where we talked about he was 31st mm. overall. Mm-hmm. You can lop that off. Um, I happen to do an, a November 22nd cutoff, so you can get rid of that draft so it's not influencing it too hard. And he's 8th. So he moves up. If you, if you, uh-huh. if you use the data where Varsho has the 31st pick draft, he's ninth. You cut it off, he actually moves up one because of how consistently he's been drafted. You know, he doesn't have that outlier uh, min, but he sits 106 to 191, good for a 166 ADP. So that's kind of interesting on Varsho, that he still holds such high esteem, even if you cut off the uh, the, the, the high pick where he was accidentally taken. Um, and that guy did reach out to me. I don't know I if I've say, mentioned that on the pod yet or not. Yeah, we got he, he listens to the pod and... He, he reached out to me uh, through DM on Twitter and was like, yeah, I auto-draft. Like, I fell asleep, auto-drafted. He goes, I didn't even think I had him as my number one guy in the queue and woke up and he's on my team at 31 overall. He's no. like, I didn't even have that much to drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it was he did not mean to take him at 31st overall. Um, you know, so, uh, and he was a really good sport about it. Let me share that on Twitter and on the pod and stuff. Uh, it I do wonder how much that pick influenced this move in the ADP. Like, I know yes. it's not a part of it, 
But people no, I, see, I, okay, his ADP is at this point. Now I need to take him. Yep. No, I, I, I think, I think you're right. I think it is playing a role, and it's interesting that it's held. How much influence, mm-hmm. you know, the early ADPs can have in terms of anchoring guys. Yep. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry to take us far afield with Dalton Varsha, but that is interesting. And I'm kind of bummed because that takes me out on somebody that I really wanted to get because he should be cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he should be more in the yeah, like Mitch Garver. 12 to 15 range. Yep. Yeah, he should be in the Mitch Garver, Jorge Alfaro. You know, maybe he's going ahead of those guys, but like he shouldn't be going in the top 175, and now he's 160 and potentially moving up. But now you're putting McCann ahead of him. You're saying he, he'll land like 8-ish, which would yeah. put him in that 160 range, 165 range. Zero percent chance I have James McCann at that price. Yeah, I mean because just... I need him to perform, right? Because at two hundred something, where he is now, twelve, I still wouldn't take him because I like Mitch Garver and a few others later after that. But you know, I could get a pretty meh solid. I could get like two fifty and fourteen homers, and that wouldn't kill me. Yeah, at eight among catchers in the one sixties. I need more from McCann. You know, that that 40-pick jump there, I need more. And so I, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I, I hear you. I mean, it's I'm not necessarily out, but I'm not I as... Pro- I probably am, but I mean... I'm not as excited as I was before we knew where his landing spot was. Yeah, yeah. Make no mistake. I'm out based on if your speculation is correct. Yeah. If he does maintain where he is in the 200s for James McCann, then it's touch and go. It's kind of like decision based uh, in my drafts. But if he firmly sits in the 160s, I'm done. So that's James McCann. Congrats to him, by the way. You know, parlaying uh, an excellent 19 and an even better two month season into a nice deal. Mm-hmm. Four years, 40 million, man. That, that's awesome. Because um, I think if he doesn't have the two months 2020, and he goes back to, or, or even just this kind of, yeah, I, I think sits somewhere in like the 95 to 105 range with his WRC plus in 2020. I think he gets like a two year, $16 million deal type of deal. Mm-hmm. So a, a hot two months, another third, well, for him, it's 31 games because, you know, Grandal was there and DH was blocked off. It ends up helping him get four years forty. So big ups to him on that. That's awesome. Love to see players get paid. This player did not get paid <laughs> because he's still very young. There's still a lot of uh, well, there could have been a lot of team control. It resets obviously when something like this happens. David Dahl sends a one year three million dollar deal, and what the hell happened to hashtag Dahl to Detroit? <laughs> they don't have three mil. I could have chipped in. I got a few bucks. You know, I could, uh, you know, Jen doesn't need that many Christmas presents. She hasn't been that good this year. I could have chipped in. How did this not happen, Justin? I'm yeah, pissed. you were confused. It was actually Roald Dahl. They were oh. doing a conference, you know, on the on the British novelist. And so he mm-hmm. he came to Detroit? Yeah, there was a Where the Sidewalk Ends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, there's a James and the Giant Peach. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a James and the Giant Peach giveaway yeah. at Comerica this year. So that's cool. Yeah, so that that's what it was. It wasn't David Dahl. Uh and I know that's confusing for baseball fans, but uh yeah, I mean there should have been twenty nine teams in on 
David Dahl. I, I like, and I've been one of his harshest critics in because of his injury. It should have been history. thirty, Justin. Yeah, Colorado shouldn't have gotten rid of him. Idiots, dude. Continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean they had to free up money to sign Matt Kemp to a long term deal. True, true. He got four years uh, at four hundred thousand dollars. He's getting a hundred thousand dollars a year, but they couldn't afford that. And David Dahl. So yeah, you've been out on you've been down on Dahl because of yeah, because the injuries, massive injury history. Yeah, I mean, dude just cannot stay on the field. But at three million, it's like you know, you take the shot that maybe he is able to, and then you can trade him at full value. Our uh, boy Colin Weatherwax was pretty happy about this. Yeah, well, he's been a big doll guy for a while. Uh, yeah, so it's it's not surprising he's stoked. Plus, he's a huge Rangers fan. So exactly. So um, a boy, his boy going to his team, and he got to rub it in my face. He's like, "Oh, doll to Detroit, a? Eh? I don't think so." Yeah. So this is a now sneaky good lineup again. You know, I feel like I say this every year that this Rangers lineup has a lot of potential. When it uh, underwhelmed in 20 without, mm-hmm. like, it was aggressively bad because I thought they had, like, some sneak upside to maybe even make some noise because they had, you know, deep rotation, blah, blah, blah. I'm with you, though. I know people are going to balk. There's going to be some that say, you guys said this for 20 and they couldn't have been worse. But Leone Tavares, IKF, Isaiah Kanter Falefa. Willie Calhoun, jo- Joey Gallo, Nick Solak, Nate Lowe, who they traded for, which, by the way, we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, David Dahl, Jose Trevino, Rudin Odor. It's not flawless top to bottom, but there's a lot of intrigue in there. Who are some of your favorite parts? If you say Rudin Odor, by the way, the pod's over. Right? <laughs> no, because, I mean, it looks like he likely is going to be a platoon guy. Uh because they, they've made it clear that they don't care about his contract or Elvis Andrews' contract. They're just going to play who they feel is the is the best player. That being said, I mean, he is super cheap. Um, I mean, Will Calhoun is always kind of... Will. You guys are friends. Man. Yeah, yeah. He's called Will. Yeah, Will. Will and I. Yeah. yeah, Will and I hang out. Now, we've been on this Calhoun train for a bit. Um, I, I I think it's fair to say it's a, you know, it's a two-man Mm-hmm. Two man engineering here. We, we, we're big fans. Uh, Arizona Fall League. You were there at the Arizona Fall League when he. I was not. Did, oh, oh. Um, he had, I think he won it for the Welsh. He won Paul Stars mm-hmm. for the Welsh. We played a little fantasy game at the Rising Stars game, and uh, he, he and Bellinger were in, in the game that year. I believe they both hit massive homers. But uh, yeah, the Willie Calhoun train, we've been on it. It's been bad though. Yeah, there was some there was some good intrigue in nineteen that really built on everything two sixty nine three twenty three five twenty four. I think that really built the hype for twenty that you and I remained mm-hmm. firm on, and he could not have been worse. Mm-hmm. One ninety two thirty one two sixty. Does the twenty nine games so obviously missed time with injury too? Does that change anything for you now? Now age twenty six, where do we stand with Calhoun? We really only have that half season of twenty nineteen to go off of now. No, I mean, I kind of give him a little bit of a pass in terms of, you know, the injury and kind of coming off that. Uh, I mean, there's actually some interesting, uh, nice things about his profile in terms of, you know, the O swing was down uh, for Calhoun. Uh, you know, swing strike rate was down. He got a little bit more passive uh, 
which, you know, not maybe, maybe that's not what he should have done, especially considering it didn't lead to more walks or anything. Mm-hmm. But we know there's power in this bat. And it's, it is a power-only profile. Like, that is what it is. Um, and Don't so, think there's batting average upside? I do think there's some batting average upside, but it's hard. I mean, he just has not yet shown that yeah. in the majors. He's shown it in that, the that's minors. That's what I like coming up. Yeah, I thought maybe he could be somebody who could... At his best, I thought Calhoun could could be three hundred thirty, like kind of mix mix both there. I think he's more like peak. a two seventy five thirty kind of guy. I mean, yeah that that looks like it might be where he could uh, where he could live. You know, we kind of saw that uh, in nineteen. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a matter of if you still believe the price. He's priced to buy. I, I think yeah. still, and so that's why I'm, I'm still that, in on Calhoun. That's why I like him. I mean, if, if yeah. we're talking about just in general, I mean, there you know, guys like uh, uh, our boy Nick Solak. You know, he's he second base and outfield eligible. Love that. Uh, you know, this is a nice little discount you're getting on Gallo. He's not super expensive. Your your boy Leotis Tavares yes. is like Big dirt fan. cheap. Going to be leading off in what should be. You know, at least in a decent lineup, if not uh, actually, you know, sneaky good. So I wrote up Gallo yesterday, and uh, you know, I, I've been doing the series on the 2020 flops and just kind of assessing where I'm at uh, going into next year. And even if ever, you know everything adds up to where okay, the batting average was fraudulent from 19. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna fully pat myself on the back. I told y'all it was obvious to me. 500 bad up against lefties, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is, though, the the ADP is set to where you should jump in. Because yeah. even if you just get 2017-18 from Gallo, which is uh, 208, 40, 86, and 5 steals, um, that, that's what he did for those two seasons, that put him around the 90th player overall, and his ADP is 170s. Yeah. So that's, that's a really interesting setup there. Now, you kind of have to go in knowing you're going to take Gallo so you can plan around it. But my goodness, I think that's an easy, easy buyback in for Joey Gallo. Let's talk Dahl then real quick with regards to his ADP. 320 right behind his new teammate, Willie Calhoun. Yeah. So I think I know which way you're going to go. But between the two, would you, would you firmly stand Calhoun? I, I don't know that I'm firmly standing. Okay, so the, is this price is intriguing enough to bring you in on Dahl? Yeah, I mean, okay. it's just, there, there's no real price attached, and there is still upside in this bat. It's, I mean, it's really going to be roster construction for me. I mean, how risky is my team? Like, how safe do I feel my at-bats are, uh, or plate appearances are, when I get to that point? Because, let's be honest, like, you could get... You know, he he had what 413 plate appearances in 2019, and then last year he played 24 games. He had zero home runs and a stolen base. Like, like it was it was you know truly awful. And and I mean his history has been he can't stay on the field. So yeah, it's more than likely I'm going with Calhoun just because I feel more confident he's going to be on the field. But mm-hmm. Dahl's only 27. Like yep. Like, there's still plenty of time for him to, you know, and Michael Brantley had, like, this kind of injury tag, like, stay away from him, and then, you know, all of a sudden, body matured, he got in better shape, 
you know, the injuries faded away, and he's been kind of a stud. And I could see that kind of resurgence from a David Dahl. Getting out of Colorado can help. Yeah. Um, The the altitude can affect your health negatively. And so. And running around that gigantic outfield, too. (laughs) Also, also an issue. So that could really help. I, I, I once again find this this lineup intriguing because their new first baseman um, is also part of that intrigue. Nate Lowe mm-hmm. traded from Tampa Bay out to Texas. Um, Texas paid up, and we'll talk about that in a moment. I, I, I want to get your thoughts if you know any of these prospects here. But reading Eric's article, he, he said, hey, they, they paid up. But Nate Lowe's been a bit of a fantasy darling among mm-hmm. deeper leaguers. Uh, you know, who fancied him and, and just, you know, hashtag free Nate Lowe. We, we, mm-hmm. we've, we've all seen that. Okay, he's freed. What are we getting? What do you think about Nate Lowe as a uh, potential starter here in Texas? It looks like he should get the job. I mean, you're not going to trade for him. You're not going to pay that price and still start Ronald Guzman, I don't think. No, I mean, I think he he's the starter every day for – the Rangers, at least initially. I mean, I think the hard part with guys like Lowe is there's been so much kind of hype and like, come on, if it wasn't, you know, if he was on any other team other than the race, he'd be playing every day, you know, he'd he'd have the opportunity. And fantasy owners tend to uh, talk themselves into the idea of Nate Lowe as opposed to really evaluating the player. And, I mean, no one has been more outspoken about the holes in his swing than our very own Jason Collette. And when it comes to Rays, guys, I really tend to listen to Jason because he's so in tune yeah, with that team. And, uh, I mean, he's talked about, like, he has a really hard time hitting heat above the belt. Uh, His swing is long. And... I mean, that's fostered a 32% strikeout rate in 245 mm-hmm. major league plate appearances for low. And I mean, right now he's obviously priced to buy, but I saw people on Twitter talking about like they think he's going to be a top 150 pick. And like, if that's the case, what? Yeah, like, like people are expecting him to just, and, and not necessarily that they were advocating for that. But they just felt like, with the amount of hype that's been around this guy, yeah, that he was going to you know, jump up into like that Reese Hoskins, Trey Mancini, Josh <laughs> Bell kind of area. And if that's the case, and okay. I'm, I'm trying to, let's see, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, let's see, the trade was the 10th. So I'm going to look at drafts from yeah, the 10th on. Yeah, I was going to do that too, so you got on. that. Um, and that, that'll include a lot of slow drafts that had, you know, that had already started, that already started and gotten kind of past that point. He's already moved up 40 something spots in the last 10 days. So what? uh, He's like 322. So like, he's still super cheap. Um, creeping. And there's only one draft that's finished since the 10th. Okay. So it's, you know, so that's one drafts, you know, and who knows where they were at the draft at the draft when that happened? But he was, you know, he might have been depending on where they were. He might have gone like real quick. You know, when you're in those slow drafts, mm-hmm. a move like that happens, and somebody's. Oh yeah, value. I'm I'm in a slow draft on Fantrax right now, and they just added like we're at pick like six something, and they like just added Hyosung Kim, 
and like so he went like the went. moment he was added. Yeah. Like it's like oh great, you know, someone just got what a windfall. What a windfall. Yeah, a guy that I think is a top 150 player at like pick 543 or something. You know, what would uh, you realistically pay for for Nate Lowe? Because uh, you got to go really high to get to the 150s. I mean, I'm like I can't honestly say it this point that I'm willing to take him above Wilmer Flores who's going at 295 okay I, I think that's fair you know I mean he that he should probably jump up to the Wilmer Flores Carlos Santana CJ Cron Brandon Belt area and that's 295 through 340 okay and so that's, and he's almost fine. there like he's at 364 um, so we'll see if like he start if he starts pumping over Guys like Miguel Sano and Jared Walsh, um, I, you know, I I'll think, just laugh. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, Especially I can, Jared Walsh. I think I can get why people would make that argument. I just think that that's such a huge jump that we have no real proof that this guy is gonna be good at the major league level. I mean, remember when people spent five hundred bucks on him in like TGFBI in yeah. the event? You know, um, yeah, he when he came up. And he just disappointed everybody. So uh, it was bad. And you know, Tampa Bay, the way they kind of mess with playing time too. Yeah, there's no way. I'd rather bet on the Jared Walsh mini, you know, the small sample surge. I'd rather put my eggs in that basket because at least it's major league performance fueled by by a specific change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I can't do it. Um, monitor Nate Lowe. Check out his price. At his current price, fine. If it really starts to creep up into the mid two hundreds, I'd say, I'd say bow out personally. Yeah. And I think Justin agrees. Uh, let's talk about Hunter Renfro moving to Boston. Former Ray, they brought him over in that uh, in that Tommy Fam deal. Fam Fam did his thing, but uh, as it broke down, now Jay Jay Cronenworth is looking like the the prize of that trade. Uh, as Fam dealt with injuries, and Renfro was a mega bust. Mm-hmm. When they got him, I liked it because I was like, "Oh, here, here they go again." You know, listen. There are certain teams that that their reputations earn them credibility on things. Mm-hmm. The Rays, when they make a signing or trade, they have a measure of credibility that you inherently like. You know, you inherently look favorably on the move because you're like, "Well." They're acquiring this person. There has to be, uh, you know, th- this. If you don't see it right away, if you're not already on board, you're like, mm, I gotta take that second look. I saw this one a- as a fit off rip. He had an okay season in 19. He was basically a league average hitter, but he had jumped to an elite defender for mm-hmm. for Hunter Renfro. That was the impressive part. And I was like, ah, I see. I, I see what they're doing here. They're getting this guy whose bat is not being valued super high but he has some upside if, if he can just shave a few things here and there you know get that obp take take a few more walks get a few more hits uh kind of be more in like the 230 uh average and 320 obp or or maybe even maybe not that high maybe like 310 obp because he's not really shown a 90 point split but th- that's what they're looking for to go with the big power and to go with the big defense Absolutely none of that. None of that. He cut his strikeout rate, but nothing came from it, and he was an utter dud. 156, 252, 393 for Renfro. 
the defense regressed as well, by, mm-hmm. by the way, just to add on to that. Uh, played only 42 games. Awful. Awful. I, I don't even have anything else to say. I understand a team like Boston re-signing him, though, or uh, signing him on the, on the cheap, though, at age 29. Do you see any, any bounce-back potential here with Renfro in Boston? Uh, I do, only because as the Boston's lineup is constructed or offense is constructed right now, he looks like he's in line for everyday playing time, and sometimes that is enough for a player to get back in a rhythm. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot in terms of uh, 2020 threw off a lot of players for a number of different reasons. Uh, And so, you know, there are guys that, and we've kind of got to pick and choose which guys are we willing to give passes to and which guys are we not. So you, you... you you give the that kind of caveat for every player, including Hunter Renfro, and then you sit and then you show the fact that he's on the Rays and he's being platoon and you know coming into games you know sometimes in the second or fourth or fifth inning, um, sometimes not you know you know play not playing a full game and uh, doesn't know when he's going to be in the lineup and. Uh-huh. That can sometimes just wreak havoc in a for a player in a sport that is really built on rhythm and repetition. Yeah, and it's just it's hard to tell who can take to it and who can't. Like you don't know. Mm-hmm. Some guys take to it just fine, and they play you know every other day, and and they're bouncing around. You know, we saw when they when they had Ben Zobras pop off for them. This is a while now uh, ago, but he was playing all over the place. It didn't bother him. He was the super util. He was elite. They've had other guys come through. They can bounce around. Some guys, if they're not playing all the time, they just can't get in that rhythm. And with Renfro, I, I don't know. I, did, I didn't analyze him hard enough to, to know this. But you know how sometimes with these big power guys, it, it, it comes in bunches. You know, mm-hmm. you hit that first homer, you got five more over the next six games. Well, if you're only playing twice in those next six games when you're, when you're locked in there, you you might lose it a little bit, right? It's, it's a little nebulous to talk about because it's it's hard to pinpoint it. But I hear you as far as that rhythm goes with Renfro, maybe flowing in and out, not quite working. But with Jackie Bradley Jr. gone, looks like Renfro's a replacement, not in center, obviously. Uh, other things shift. Uh, but he, Verdugo will move from right to center, and Renfro will take right, $3 million. What, can he, what, what do you realistically think he does, though? Does he go back to... Uh, eighteen or nineteen? They they weren't that far apart, but but they're different enough to to ask which you think he's going to go back to. If you think he's going to go back to either, to be honest, I think he goes back to some like uh, maybe it's seventeen. It's you know two thirty batting average, twenty five home runs. Um, Ew. And yeah, I mean that's the hard part is like I, I mean maybe he gets some BABIP luck, and you're looking at a guy who's like. 250 and 30 home runs but I, I just don't know that the upside uh, warrants the downside and while he is going extremely late like I mean he, he's you know, 493 ADP and, and that will come up but sure. like, yeah, there are yeah. guys like I like as upside plays at that spot you know Edward Olivares going a little bit ahead of him uh, Jared Oliva, DJ Stewart going behind him, Tim LaCastro going behind him. 
Uh, and if you start shooting up, then you're starting to talk about him in like the same spot is, uh, you know, Tyler O'Neill, Shogo Akiyama, my boy Cedric Mullins, Josh Naylor, Franchi Cordero. Um, you know, I mean, it. I just don't know. I, I think there are better gambles at that spot. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. Like, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing it with Renfro. I'm not in. I'm not in. Um, and like you said, he's only going to go up. Not crazy. I think he'll be affordable no matter what. But I'm just not in with Renfro. I mean, if so. people start plugging in 500 plus plate appearances, which he's never had, by the way, um, then they're going to start going. Oh, this is a guy that get 35. You know, maybe even forty yes. runs, and be then looting themselves. People right. start, yeah, start pushing them up, and uh, yeah, I'm just, I don't think it's, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm out completely, depending on where the price is in in a certain draft, but mm-hmm. and and if I'm looking for power, like if my batting average is safe, which it never is, um, but <laughs> if it is, like maybe that's the guy, but like I, I don't see that much difference between him and a guy like DJ Stewart going right behind him. And I do think Stewart has a bit, you know, nicer ceiling. And maybe a better lock on playing time. I, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe. Who, who, who in Boston is going to play over? Like, look at the bench the in thing, Boston you know, right now. It's it's Yario Munoz and Marcus Wilson, who is not a real player. It's filling name. Now, yeah, you talked about the uh, the 500 point appearance thing and how Renfro's never gotten there. Well, this might be the year though. The Red mm-hmm. Sox just might not have a worthy option to take any of that playing time. So he maybe just grinds out a volume season. And Shar agrees, which is being annoying about it. Um, last move before we get to the rest of third base. Greg Holland uh, goes back to KC, and really the only question I have is, do you think he closes? Uh, yeah. I think that he, I, Matheny likes those guys that are quote unquote proven, um, that, uh, should, you know, it's a huge bummer for me because I just took Josh Stalmont in a draft. I don't know that it's locked. I mean, yeah, probably. it's, it's not, it, I think it's probably to locked start. to start the year. Yeah, to start. It but, seems like he'll go, you know, they'll, they'll give Holland the, the, the shot off rip. And if you've, you know, falters and goes back to some recent performances that we've seen that have been poor. Um, he'll lose it, but he was great. He was great this year with KC, mm-hmm. like excellent with them. He looked like vintage Greg Holland. So yeah, uh, yeah, he'll 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 start he'll start with the job hundred he, percent. He's one of those guys like you tweeted about. Uh, I think it was yesterday. You tweeted about like there's certain players you go, how's this guy still in their twenties? Yeah, and and Greg Holland's like one of those guys. Like, how's this guy still in his thirties? Yeah, I mean, it feels he's like around, he's been around forever. It feels like his career's had like all these different trajectories. Really, only had kind of the two down seasons, eighteen and nineteen, and now here he is back on track. It's you know twenty eight and a third innings. I don't want to go too far, but he was awesome in twenty, mm-hmm. and now twenty one. He'll have a closer's job. And he'll be one of those mid-tier closers. And you just kind of go from there. But yeah, early drafters with their Stelmont shares. Sorry. I mean, he's still uh, going to deliver some, you know, yeah. some strikeouts Strike and, you know, maybe some ratio help. But yeah, not what you wanted when you when you were... His price will plummet. Yeah, you were fist pumping when you got him at like <laughs> 400. And yeah, no. Yes. You felt good and then nothing. 
All right, last bit of third base. Let's get into it. Do the, it. Uh, the, re- the remaining corners uh, we picked up with uh, Kyle Seeger, the last guy we talked about. There's Joey Wendell and uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa previously discussed at different positions. Eduardo Escobar, Edwin Rios, Michael Franco, and Luis Urias also discussed at another position. So we're looking at Escobar, Rios, and Franco. Franco, another guy who was uh, non-tendered. So he'll be looking for a job. He was with KC. Didn't do too bad, and they said, eh, not that interesting. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that, honestly. I, I, I was, too. I was, too. So Escobar, we actually had a bit of uh, contention on coming into this year. Mm-hmm. I thought his fall-off would not be nearly as large as you did. Turns out, you didn't even sell. You, you sold it short. Yeah. He was awful. Um, I, I mean, he was bad. I was wrong. Like, dead dead to rights there but i just i really think there was a lot of two-month blippage here that i'm not fully out on him i'm really not i mean 244 babbit um nothing else around it really tracks to suggest that that he should have fallen off like that the stat cast numbers dead in line with 19 the but, uh, but that was part of the warning sign of 2020 was the stat cast numbers were not good so like they were say, fine that but that's if you that's if you thought 35 homers were coming i looked at his 17 and 18 and so i look at you know three quality years in a row and i'm like okay it goes back to 18 what's what's the problem like there that that stat cast profile totally could have generated 18 so i just i just didn't see a reason to be terribly afraid of uh, Eduardo Escobar, but like I said, he fell off completely. Well, why couldn't the Statcast have generated 18's line? I mean, and one of the reasons I wasn't like completely saying like he's atrocious, don't go anywhere near him, was like he had been able to do some of these numbers with, you know, with kind of the subpar Statcast data. I mean, I think the big concerning thing is just like how he performed against fastballs. He had like a one, I want to say it was a 190 batting average against fastballs. This last, oh, sorry, 165, uh, according to uh, to Baseball Savant, uh, against fastballs. And gross, yeah, I mean, and you wonder if that's like you know, timing kind of getting the season together type of thing mm-hmm. or something to worry about. I, I don't know. I still I still look at this and I'm like, I'm really not concerned personally with with Escobar. Now now I'll just take my discount on the buyback. He didn't have issues with fastballs in 18 and 19, and all of a sudden he's got this major mm-hmm. fastball issue in a two month season, and the Babips down 40 40 something points. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't buy like I'm not racing to get him because like the upside isn't that high. With Escobar, again, I'm not putting 19 back on the table, 35, 118, and 5. That was an excellent season. Everything broke. Players around him helped facilitate the 118 with the ribbies. Fine. Throw that out. But 23, 84, and 2 with a 272 um, is what he did in, in 18. And I I can't come up with a reason why he can't do that. And he's picked 300. I will yeah. take Eduardo Escobar so easily. That's the thing is like he has dropped to a point where it's like, I mean, you're starting to compare him against guys like Joey Wendell and a you know teamless Mikel Franco and 
Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about, who I do like, but it does not have a guaranteed spot. And Escobar's going to play, too, so throw mm-hmm. that in, is that you got a, a locked-in starter. In the five-hole, I mean, in a lineup that we thought was going to be better this last year than it was, and so it would it take that much for it to have a bounce back as just a exactly. team lineup? If like, Marte got back on track, Walker was fine, Peralta, uh, Escobar, and then they previously mentioned Varsho. So yeah, I, I'm in. Here. I'll ha- I'll ha- I'm not in, but I'll have him on a team or two because the price is just so tantalizing, and you know maybe maybe he he does have another like you know fluke bounce back career year, and you just got a guy at pick three something that's you know I mean he hit 35 homers, stole five bases with a 269 batting average in 2019 like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say like it's impossible for him to do that again and so yeah i mean i'll take that gamble at at three something he's just a glue guy to me Mm -hmm. you know i I like that i I like my glue guys we play a lot of 15 teamers i think glue guys are essential and then if, if you get the ones that can overperform you're all the better but i'll just take 2018 eduardo escobar uh edwin rios i i mentioned him I do like him, but he's not on the right team for me to feel that great about about drafting him with regards to playing time. Uh, he's currently penciled in, but I think both you and I firmly believe yeah. that Justin Turner's headed back. So, you know, unless we're wrong on that, which we may be, we'll find out uh, as as the season uh, the off season plays out. But under that assumption that we're going on right now. We can't really get that that gassed about Edward, uh, Edwin Rios because uh, there's also no no DH guaranteed, which he also wouldn't lock into even if that did happen. But without that locked in, Turner lingering, I, I 300 is not a terrible price, but I, I would again I'd rather just take Escobar and get somebody who's guaranteed playing. I do like Rios's skills. Where, where are you at though? I, I like Rios's skills a lot. Uh, and if we knew that he was going to be locked into 500 plus plate appearances, I think I'd be like really enjoying this price. Uh, the problem is, until we know what the Dodgers are going to do as a team, are they going to bring back Justin Turner? Are they going to bring back a guy like maybe Jock Peterson or Kike Hernandez? Uh, is the DH going to be in the National League? it becomes kind of just a lottery ticket. Now, mm. at this price, that's what it is. I mean, it's 318. You know, you're not yeah, sure. you know, you're not necessarily uh trying to win your league at this point in the draft. Uh, but it's nice to have the guys with upside and I think he's got that. So like I think he will be on my team uh in some early drafts especially taking the gamble that maybe the Dodgers say, "Hey, we just won the World Series. We don't need to, you know, add a bunch of pieces or bring back a bunch of pieces. Maybe Justin Turner isn't coming back and maybe Kike Hernandez isn't coming back and uh, we can plug in Rios at third and uh, and be pretty happy with that. Yeah, that would certainly start to change things. Or even if they just bring back Turner and then the DH gets Yeah, they can move back to the DH, protect his legs and uh, and move Taylor to the outfield. And, and Rios himself is a four corners guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's particularly strong defensively, um, but he, but he, he could bounce into the outfield if necessary as well. 
and four corners, by the way, first, third, left, right, for those unaware of that terminology. I've never but heard yeah, that uh, phrase before. I like that. Uh, yeah, four, so four corner, if you ever see 4C, sometimes people use that shorthand. Uh, I like them, but uh, I'll tell you what, though. There there are scenarios where, where I'm glued up by the time this, this pick comes around. Like, I got my glue guys already, and I want something with a little bit of shiny upside. I can see there are some scenarios where I would take Rios over Escobar, just because I'm looking to put a little bit more upside and youth into the into the squad versus steady Eddie glue guy. So generally, eight out of ten times I'm taking Escobar, but there are those two instances where I'm taking Rios. Um, Luis Urias, we already discussed. Michael Franco, uh, a surprising DFA for us, uh, or non-tender rather. He, he did well. Uh, well enough. Like I don't know what else you would be expecting if you if you got Michael Franco. I don't know if if the Royals were expecting more, and came away unimpressed. But uh, he had his best season in in a while by WRC plus in in five years at 106. I mean he was at 104 in 2017, so he's essentially the the same guy he was then. But it was coming off of a really down 19. He was down at 70, uh, which was brutal. And then he bounces back to 106. I've I've stayed bought in on Michael Franco. Uh, this is another one of those guys of can't believe he's this. He's only 28 because he came up at 21. He's been around forever, it seems. And the mantra every year. Well, first off, the mantra every year is look at that spring training that yes, Michael Franco just had. Say. <laughs> but uh, and then it's followed by he's young, he doesn't strike out, and he has power. That I mean that's from my mouth. I'm not even mm-hmm. trying to put that on anybody else. I say that every year because I like him. A guy with pop who doesn't strike out a lot, maybe there's some upside here. I think the 27 20, the 2800 plate appearances though are starting to starting to convince me Justin that maybe he kind of just is who he is. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot in his profile that says like this is a guy that isn't just what he is. Um I mean, contact rates are, you know, and uh, swing percentages are all kind of just in line with what he seems to do every year. Uh, And while the numbers in a short season, uh, you know, maybe look a little bit nicer, I mean, how much different is it than what he did in 2018? I think it's, I mean, it's pretty much like the exact same thing, right? So (laughs) we're talking about a guy that's a low 20s homer guy. Uh, and the average will vacillate a bit depending on his BABIP. Uh, so you've got a plan for somewhere between 240 and 270 uh, and hope that it pops. I mean, if he gets an everyday role, he kind of just becomes a compiler, which is fine at the end of the draft. But I think you have to wait a little bit to make sure he's getting an everyday role. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um you know, m- more glue here with regards mm-hmm. to, to Franco. That's kind of what you're looking at. Statcast profile is pretty ugly too. Yeah, and and he hasn't really been able to to turn anything there. And you know, if you follow um, Saber Hagen metrics, you're due for a down year, which is uh, <laughs> the idea of an every every other year. The Alex Gold. Rios effect. Yeah, good. Go look at Brett Saberhagen's career. I, I don't know if Jason coined it, but I know he he. Really loved using it, the Saberhagen metrics uh, idea, uh, and it's not that's not that he believes in it. He says it tongue in cheek, but the guy going up and down, up and down, 76, 104, 70, 106. Pattern says something in the seventies for Michael Franco, so be careful. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't draft him off. Don't, don't judge it fully off that. A uh, few deep leaguers here, and then we'll get into the rest. Evan Longoria, Yandy Diaz, Mike Brosso, and Carter Keyboom. Two of those guys are on the same team. Evan Longoria, I'm not sure there's a whole lot to talk about here. Just an older guy who still has a guaranteed spot because of his contract. He's pretty bland. He's as gluey as it gets if you're just looking for a, really a warm body because I don't know why you wouldn't go for a little bit something uh, flashier here uh, if you were considering a third base type at this juncture of the draft. Is there any reason to take 35-year-old Evan Longoria or does he just get bypassed for uh, shiny toys? If I told you that uh, his StatCast profile is all pink and red, would that surprise you? 87th percentile in exit velocity, 80th percentile in hard hit percentage, 77th percentile in barrel percentage, his X slug is 89th percentile, XBA 82nd percentile. Like what the frick happened then? Uh, I mean, I think one. Did he start off well or have a good run? Yeah, I believe he was it start off slow or I can't remember if it was start off. I mean, it's a small season, so it's like you know we're parsing. Uh, 53 games here for Longoria, but I, I thought he had a decent run at some. Yeah, no, okay, pretty brutal even. September, brutal yeah. September, mm-hmm. 579 OPS. So he might have been doing well in August at some point. Yeah, that in, I remember in August he hit four home runs with a 300 batting average. Okay, there you go. And going into September, 299, 339, 495, and then just a aggressively bad September mm-hmm. uh, ruined Evan, Evan Longoria's short season. Okay, so the the pink and red statcast is that got you ready to pick him? Yeah, I mean his launch angle is the concerning part. It it dropped from fourteen degrees to ten point seven, and so maybe he's just a little swing tweak away from unlocking a little bit more power. Uh, and I mean we're not talking about like, like do I think he's going to be a thirty home run hitter? No, no, I don't. I don't think he's going to be a thirty home run hitter. But uh, you know, his ex batting average was two eighty four. You know, maybe he's a twenty five. You know, two eighty guy. And I mean, this late, that's you know, to get batting average with pop uh, is not uh, is not bad. And uh, I mean, the projection systems right now have him at twenty home runs. So they're they're in on the pop. You know, a little bit of the pop. Uh, but they have him at 249, and I mean he has overperformed that each of the last two seasons. So, and he's not a guy like he gets this injury tag uh, from earlier in his career. But I mean he's had at least 500 plate appearances in every season since 2012, obviously excluding the shortened 2020 season. So mm-hmm. he's a guy who stays on the field. Maybe he's a bit of a compiler, but like you said, the contract's going to dictate that he plays. Uh, and I do think there's a little bit of batting average upside here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I think uh, if I'm searching for a corner late, uh, I think he's a guy I'm, I'm willing to take a shot on. Homer. <laughs> Absolute homer. Unbelievable. I mean, when you're when comparing him to some of the other options, it's like, uh, like I mean, you really want Chad Pinder? Like I oh, swipe right, baby. Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> now, you got, uh, you got double raise here. Don't want either. Uh, they don't. They they don't take time from each other. In fact, they they both share the same plight, potentially uh, short side platoon yeah. 
situations. Yandy Diaz, Mike Brasso. You don't want either? Is is it strictly a playing time issue? Yeah, it, it's being in Tampa Bay, and I don't think either of them. I mean, you know, this is another situation with Yandy Diaz, is we like the idea of Yandy Diaz. Yes. Um, do you know what Yandy Diaz's uh, launch angle was? Negative 400. You're not that far off. It was like, negative, like 7.9. I mean, yeah, like he just he just doesn't put the ball in the air. So like, yeah, he hit 307, but it was with two homers. He had that little that little pop flourish. Uh, what was it last year that uh, definitely drummed up some excitement? Like, hey, he's, he's changing. Look at it, 14 homers uh-huh. in 79 games. Let's just extrapolate that as if he's ever going to play a full season. No, he's not. Um, yeah. Yandi is what he is. Bench guy with challenging uh, launch angle issues mm-hmm. that keep him from uh, reaching his power height. He didn't even have like the glowing stat cast stuff to go along with it. I mean, his hard hit percentage was 14%. His exit velocity, or sorry, 14th percentile. His exit velocity was in the 40th percentile. His exit velocity dropped three and a half miles per hour last year. Oh, I mean, like, small season, but my yeah. goodness. I mean, this is a guy... Did who, not go well. Yeah, he doesn't strike out. Hey, that's great. But if you're not doing anything other than not strike out, like, like, like the people are be like, well, he's at least delivering you batting average. His ex-batting average was 251. He's a worse Mike Calfranco in every possible way. Yeah. Like, I love the muscles, but I've talked about this a lot of times uh, in terms of Yandy Diaz is... You know, if you've ever seen a bodybuilder walking around and you notice like he's walking around like he's somewhat flexing his, you know, his arms all the time. So a lot of times that's because there's a lack of flexibility in the tendons yes. and they actually can't extend their arms the full amount. And I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going on with Yandy Diaz, but I mean, there's reasons why guys aren't built like this often in Major League Baseball and still really, really good players. Yeah, um, it's because like the there's a lack of flexibility that's needed to swing a bat. No, I I, I agree, and you know he just has not been able to get lift on the ball mm-hmm. with any consistency. So like I said, I think he's just a much worse Michael Franco. Doesn't have the playing time. Uh, is a bigger power uh, void there than than Franco. Franco at least puts up that baseline of power. Brasso, then is there anything? If you could, if you saw playing time coming, can he hit righties? I guess is the real question. Do you think there would ever be a full time role for Brasso that isn't just injury related in season, where you know two three guys go out and he's forced into it? Is there any way that Brasso would find his way into the starting lineup here to start the season? I mean, can he hit righties? Like, I think he probably can. Uh, will he ever get the opportunity in Tampa Bay? I don't know that he will. Okay. And well, then, then there's not really be, much else to talk about. Yeah, I just don't I don't think that they, he's not going to get the opportunity that he might on a different franchise. That's the thing. And uh, that's why it's difficult to take him. Are you still uh, convincing yourself that taking Carter Keeboom is a good idea? <laughs> At this price? Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's so, he's so cheap. He's 23 years old. I'm dead. Yeah. Definitely got a little tongue-in-cheek there. I, I really do think, though, that at, at, at this price, um, you'd be foolish not, not to consider. 415, if you're in a league that deep that's drafting 415 spots, this is still a mega prospect. 
with just 165 point appearances under his belt. They're very bad, but mm-hmm. it's 165. It's yeah. barely above meaningless. Barely. Yeah, and I mean, like this is he's gotta he's gotta show something now. Like it's yeah, this isn't like okay he's young, and I mean he is still young. Like I said, 23 years old. Uh, you know, turned in September. Uh, so I mean, super young. But this isn't a situation like Boston where, well, who else are they going to play? They've got other bodies that are not just bodies. Luis Garcia had impressive moments, and he's young. Uh, Josh Harrison is still on this team. Uh, Would it be surprising to you if World Series hero Howie Kendrick ended up back on this team? Because it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, There are, I mean, he's right now he's penciled in to a full-time role at third base. And, I think Garcia is the biggest threat to that that you mentioned. And yeah. they're going to make some moves. Like mm-hmm. Their current lineup has Jake Nolan, Andrew Stevenson yeah. at uh, first and left, respectively. That ain't happening. So, uh, you know, maybe they decide they're going to give him a shot because they have backups and because the moves that they need to make are going to be in left field at first and first base. So maybe, you know, if they're another one of these teams, they're like, well, we're not going to spend a ton of money, but we'll, we'll spend some. Uh I think they've got bigger need issues than replacing Carter Keboom. Uh, that being said, like I think he, I think this is kind of a put up or shut up type of season, and he could just as easily start the year in AAA than be yeah. a full time player. And so, if you're gonna take that gamble, you have to know that that it is a gamble, and you need to plan accordingly. Yep, I think that's that's completely fair. And you know, like I said. As you're going through, you want some youth there uh, as opposed to, like, a, a, a gluey mm-hmm. Evan Longoria. Then then you go with Carter Kibo. The, the stat cast profile, there. I mean, super, super, super small sample, but really ugly. Like, zero barrels. Hey, that's not good. No, not good. That's my, that's my analysis. Mm-hmm. All right, so I, I listed a group of the rest. We're not talking about all of them. They, they're not interesting. So I think it's time for that sleeper. Oh, okay. Um, so this is a guy. I mean, this is a guy that not on the list that you have written. Uh, and I'm, I'm gonna, I, I've got to search the ADP to find that. Is wild. Because yeah. I, I listed, I listed Brooks Robinson, who's mm-hmm. not even <laughs> playing. I don't know if he's passed, but okay. I'm I just putting third baseman there. He's saying it's it's past Brooks Robinson, who's still being drafted in some leagues, not many, because he is, after all. Um, He's alive, but he's 83 years old. So I wouldn't still be drafting Brooks Robinson. So, so who is it? And this, this is going to be a super letdown for people who actually were actually <laughs> waiting on this. But uh, it, it, it's Abraham Toro. Um, I mean, oh, okay. Uh, I, I like it. I like it. I love the plate approach. Um, it's you know he doesn't have uh, a spot on this team right now because I don't necessarily I don't think he can play the in, or the outfield. Uh, where they have uh, you know a few holes with with some departures in in Brantley uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and Springer, but we're talking yeah and Reddick oh God forgot about Reddick too I was just you know thinking no Kyle Tucker's still there um, so it could only be two uh, but there are paths to playing time I mean we're talking about uh, Jordan Alvarez who seemingly can't stay on the field Yuri Gurriel is you know forty five. Uh, <laughs> um, 37. Carlos Correa gets hurt a lot, so they can shift. 
uh, Bregman to uh, uh, to to short and and play Toro at third. Um, great plate approach. A guy who has I, I think some power in that bat and the ability to walk at a double digit rate. And so we could be talking about a guy who's like uh, with full time playing time, like twenty five home runs and like a three sixty on base percentage. Oh wow. Um, but okay. he's gonna need to find that playing time. Sure, 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 sure. But he, he I mean, he literally costs nothing. So if you're yeah. playing in a league where this, you can even yeah, this consider is him late, late draft and hold. I like it. I like it. I'm I'm not I'm not too I mean, the expectations couldn't have been too high. You were mm-hmm. talking like past six hundred. Yeah. And uh it's like about the only guy I didn't say I got down as far as Josh Young, and I didn't. I didn't just go down one more AL guy, Abraham Toro, right there. Um, no, I, I think that there is some some intrigue there. The playing time is the main the main holdup right now. Um, but he's 24 years old. I think there is you know some pedigree here for for Toro. I I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. So I, I think your sleeper is a good way to end there. You know, so, sorry we didn't get deep on like matt carpenter and brad miller i'm a little uh surprised matt carpenter is going as late as he is uh no no i i'm not saying i want him on my team or that he's any good he's forgotten though he really is like he's playing every day right like of course i mean i I don't see a way st louis doesn't play him and he's six something like you're right you're right like you know we we know the memes of of Matt Carpenter on this show and the trajectory that we've had with him when we were fully out because he was so hurt in eighteen and then he was an MVP caliber guy for the bulk of the season, but then he wasn't very good last year. He was even worse this year. He's thirty five. Is, is he not just done, or are you saying he's just so cheap and he's a starter that you have to consider him? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it, it's the latter. It it I I don't know that he is going to be that much better like there's not much in his profile other than he still barrels the ball you know a decent amount um that uh that is super exciting exit velocity 39th percentile hard hit percentage 34th percentile uh and i mean the one thing that you used to know you would get from matt carpenter's batting average yes and you're not even i mean his xba was 215 that being said he's gonna play every day and if you're playing in a league that is uh that that plate appearances matter or uh or at bats matter like he's gonna get that especially in on base like in on base percentage league i mean he's still even with the dreadful season at a 325 on base percentage that's better than modesty yeah, um i think when you said the one thing we knew we were gonna get from him, i think it was more on base than average like he had some good yeah, averages true, yeah. early mm-hmm. then kind of established himself as a 270 something which was fine but the oep's always been there um, and it even was this year, like 325 yeah. when you only hit 186 is still pretty good. The eye is still there. A modicum of health for Carpenter makes him like a, he's a, potentially a huge bargain. He's clearly got stink on him. Nobody wants to draft him. But unless I get word that he's not going to play, I think you do have to consider him. I, yeah. I, I tend to agree with you there. Especially because uh, we're our, giving Cardinals Carpenter. players so- – a lot of Cardinals players were giving them passes because they had to play 11 double headers. Like, I mean, that was just a brutal stretch of the season yeah. because of the COVID and, uh, and a 35 year old or, you know, 34 year old this past year having to do so 
yeah. uh, may have been a problem for Carpenter as well. So I, I could see I could see still taking him. On the complete other end of the spectrum uh, is Isaac Paredes for the Tigers, who you know young prospect who they definitely have some uh, some love for, and we're gonna see what he can do. You know he was kind of a pop up prospect, and he and he came up eh, not a whole lot uh, was done in his small sample that you can really go off of. He had a sharp eye in the minors though, and it didn't quite show up uh, in his little major league time, but I think the playing time is gonna be there. So, you know, if he can bring back that eye, leverage some of the contact that we did see in spurts, there could be something here. I think playing time, I think it's similar to Carpenter in that the playing time is a bit guaranteed. There is no track record for Isaac Paredes, though. He's very young, uh, so it depends on how you feel about his prospect pedigree. But he is aggressively cheap. So if you want to go either end of the spectrum there between crusty old vet or up-and-coming prospect, you can go between Carpenter and Isaac Prentice. I think that's it on third base. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to really, like, dissect, um, I don't know, Josh Lamb. Yeah. Uh, you mean Jake Lamb. Sorry. You don't even know his name. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's how little you his care His family about calls him like, Josh. Weirdly. weirdly. Yeah, mostly because they don't like him. They, they, they don't care about him. It's yeah disrespectful if i'm being real um there are some you know prospects like nolan jones what's he gonna do spencer torkelson but uh i don't know we can we can cover that in the in the um spring mm-hmm. when we when we come back on positions because we'll have some clarity on what's going on with some of those prospects so we're gonna go ahead and close third base here justin great talking with you hopefully we get some more hot stove news for thursday um you know i'd like to get another handful of moves in before before the holidays because then it does tend to slow down and you got the back-to-back holidays with christmas and then new year's so it can get a little dry there so hopefully we get something if not i mean we got we're talking outfielders so oh I mean, yeah there's i a mean we mil- will have we will have plenty of coverage here yeah. because yeah that's gonna be like chat. seven part series minimum yeah minimum I'm so right. yeah we We'll be covered. I'm writing up outfielders right now that'll actually be out either Wednesday or Thursday for my uh, series on kind of the ADP market and who who's moving up and down. So Excellent. Uh, definitely check out those. I've got all of the infield already up. You know, so catcher first, second, third, short, uh, and I'm just doing outfielder and pitchers next, and then I can start another ser- another round of those series. Perfect. I, I love that, and I think that's. Some of the best stuff that you could do uh, at this point is, is track the market and see, you know, believe it or not, uh, somebody somebody says something about a guy can draw up some interest and really impact the ADP. You know, mm-hmm. Vlad Settler comes out and says something about so-and-so. Oh, Roto got said it. Boom. Mm-hmm. Up 70 picks before you know it, which I tell you what. I, I've gone off less, so if Rodogut did say something about somebody, I would be inclined. It, he's got to pin the tweet. That move. Oh yeah, 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 that's true. If that's he true. doesn't pin the tweet, it never happened. <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, we'll talk Thursday. We'll start some of that outfield, and we'll see if we got any moves. But otherwise, Justin, have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Take it easy. <laughs>